So today we're going to take, talk about the guardian of our souls. And at first, the introduction, I'm going to tell you some characteristics of faith versus want. Faith versus want. Because you, above all people, need to know when you are in faith and when you are not in faith. You shouldn't have to go all the way down the road and somebody snatch you or, or something blow up in your face to know that you've been in the flesh with something. And you haven't really received the word in your heart and you're not carrying the word in your heart the way you need to so that these things can come to pass. I can tell you from, from over 30 years of serving God and 25 of those or more in ministry that there comes a place where you put all of the flesh stuff behind and you trust 100% in your spirit and in God's word. It's called walking by faith. And I can tell you not a lot of people do it. I can tell you that off the bat because there are too many problems. There's too much lack in the body of Christ for us to all be faith people and walking by faith people. Remember Brother Hagen? He was walking by faith Okay, now somebody still has electronic on. I want you to write. I know you're doing well with what you please write. I'll give you some paper. That's all I need to know. Who has paper and a pen? Thank you. You know, if you can obey instruction, you might get blessed a little bit. No offense to nobody, but start obeying. My goodness. These things are important so that you can get these things down. I know we're all swift and we're all up on the most electronic things. But to be honest with you, I see too many people uh, with their heads buried in their cell phones, ignoring everything else that goes around on around them. And there's something to that. I haven't figured it out yet in the Lord, but I sure will and find out how people can get so absorbed and lost in these things. And not react to any and respond to anything. It's like, you know, going in a closet and hiding from people. You just get in there. You should get in there with God if you get in there with anything. When you come out, you got something wonderful. So if you'll obey me in this for this time, do what you want to do afterwards. But this, I believe, will help you because this is important. How to know when you're in faith versus when you're in lack or in want. You've got to know the difference between faith and lack. If you will trust God and make that transition from being in want on a consistent basis to being in faith in these areas, you will begin to see a great difference in what you can bring forth in your life. You'll have greater peace about things you're walking in. It's the, total, the difference is like night and day. So we have to know these things. So lack <clears throat> in lack, the person feels discomforted because of the need and cannot have peace or contentment. They are discomforted because of the need and cannot have peace or contentment until they get what they want. Now contrast that with faith. If you want to make two columns and contrast them or you can highlight it some way because I'm going to give you what lack feels like and what faith in that same area would feel like. Okay, In faith, that person has confidence in God's word 
and faith in God. And that allows patience to work in that person's soul. So in one, you're restless, trying to figure out how to do it, trying to get an answer, trying to get it off your mind. And then it pops back up in your mind. And then you try again to put it out of your mind and get it off of your mind. It pops back up in your mind. That's when you're in lack and in want and in the flesh. When you're in faith, you have entrusted this thing to God. You have total confidence in God. And you walk away in peace and contentment. You walk in peace and contentment 24-7. There's no anxiety, no fear, none of this popping up in your mind over and over again. How many of you have been there? You get bad news and you just can't shake it, so to speak. Well, I'm going to tell you how to get it in its proper place because we all perceive lack. We all perceive want at some time. But you got, if you get it in its proper place, then you'll be able to walk in faith on it and have confidence in it. Okay, so number two, in lack or want, we experience mental discomfort in thinking about that situation. Or thinking about that subject. You know, there's sometimes there are little trigger words that you'll hear. And then your mind will start thinking about it all over again. It gets, it, because you're, you're touchy, you see. The Bible says love is not touchy. Love walks in confidence and peace. It doesn't get upset when certain words are spoken, etc., etc., So you experience a mental discomfort in thinking about the need and you have little hope and you look to natural resources for answers. It's like being in a blind alley and a blind person trying to lead you out of that alley. There's no answers for you there, but you keep going there. You got me? If there were answers, you wouldn't be upset and nervous. In faith, though, the person believes he receives when he prays and has peace and is undisturbed. You have peace and it's undisturbed. Now, I'll tell you some examples of how people have have had a bad history in this kind of stuff with with I'll tell you the difference between an undisturbed peace and an easily disturbed peace in an undisturbed peace the thought of that same problem that distressed you if it's an undisturbed peace because God has it that peace will extinguish the thought before it has a chance to work with your emotions So we're talking about the guardian of our souls. He does it himself. The spirit of peace does it all on his own. So you don't have to try to put it on your, out of your mind. Think a happy thought. Whatever, whatever. If peace is guarding your souls, he has the ability to do this on his own. Yeah, that's what I say. Because it's worth getting in the word in order to get here. Amen. Amen. 
Many times people are worrying about things and I'll ask them, I say, well, what did, when did you pray about this? When did you give it? And they can't tell me. And I know that's why because they never did. Many times Christians assume too much and don't do the basic things. The things that kept you when you were first saved are the things that will keep you throughout. That's your foundation. You don't ever leave that foundation. Like I tell people, I remember when every other day I thought I was, I had, uh, when I first got saved, I thought I had uh, done the unpardonable sin. Remember them days? Oh, what's the unpardonable sin? You see that in the Bible and you panic and you say, oh, yeah, what did, what did I do? Did I do that yet? Huh? Now that you are in faith and you walk with God, you know what you do. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're working toward the prize. Your focus is totally different. See, when you're new, you're sin conscious. You, you don't know what to do. Am I doing right? Am I doing wrong? But once you settle in and get a relationship with God and peace with God, you can, you can go and have confidence. You can have confidence that you can go and pray for the sick and you just had an argument with your husband getting out the house. Why? Because when you got outside, you applied the blood and you're totally forgiven and there's no condemnation and you walk in righteousness again. Got me? If we can make a practice of doing these things, make it a habit, we'll stay out of lack, want, panic, condemnation, being mad at people, upset with them because they don't can't help us and don't want to help us and don't want to be our friend and left us behind and all this. You know what I'm talking about. We can go there. All right. Number three, in want or lack, The person feels he or someone else must meet his needs and does not trust God. See, this is why many times people don't go to the word, pray, believe they receive when they pray, and leave it there. This is why. Because you can get so far over into carnality and into watching natural things that you don't even think to put God in it, and after a while you, you conclude, well, God just really can't help me. I, or it's, you get this time factor in your brain somehow, that if I go to God and I start praying and waiting for that, it's, it won't come here fast enough. Got me? Like God can't speed things up. He could if you get with him. You find out how fast God can work if you get in his word. And so we we judge God as unfaithful when we do that. Every time you try to resolve something on your own, you have judged God as unfaithful because you're bypassing him as your help. You don't bypass him. You go to him. You think he's unfaithful, unloving, and uncaring. Remember the disciples when they found Jesus in the boat sleeping? Don't you care if we get ready to drown? And that man had preached to them, had fed them. They'd seen him do miracles. He'd done nothing but love people. And they accused him of not caring. Your little flesh will do that. Your flesh has a long memory for hurts and offenses and disappointments and a short one for help. Your own flesh will condemn you for going to God after you've knowingly sinned against him. And that's when you really need to go. (laughs) 
And that's a major mistake. That that thing right there, if you park your car in trusting in your own strength or trusting in somebody else to come bail you out all the time, that's a major mistake. Because that that is a form of worship right there. You see? You're worshiping your own ability, your own skills, or somebody else's ability to help you and bail you out. See? Sometimes it's a good thing for your kids to leave home because then they quit. And then if, if they get away from home, then they banking on you calling them every day to find out what to pray for. But at least they're out from under your immediate care so they have to think for themselves, pray for themselves, and get God to be their God and get you out of the way sometimes. You understand me? So we can put anybody up in that position. Children to parents, sometimes parents, parents to grandparents, you know, just, and the beat goes on. And so we have to and get these people in their proper place in your life and put God in his proper place. Don't let anybody take God's place in your life, please, ever. In faith, though, we trust God totally and we rejoice in hope. You rejoice at the fact that he told you he's going to do it. You don't have to see anything. Just his word on something for you will put you over into a realm where you can live, you can function, you can be undisturbed, you can be emotionally tranquil, you can be at total peace. If you learn how to keep your trust in God big and your confidence in the flesh very small. If you're intimate with the Father's love, you will be able to build yourself up that way. Just spending time in the Word and reading the promises. I can remember we used to get little promise books when I was a new Christian. And it would tell you every category you would have a problem in every scripture. And I would study that and study that and read it and read it. And I still go back to promises when I have trouble I get in my Bible I don't get and call nobody I you know I might call somebody for agreement in prayer to stop it you know to halt it to keep but I got to build my faith up that thing has to come through me and so you got to get in there and get intimate with God and find out what he can do for you I remember when my husband first passed away I had remembered for years that uh I would listen to different ministers and they'd say, God has a special relationship with widows and orphans. And I would, you know, my heart would just swell up when I would hear that. And I think, oh, wow, that's so nice to know. And I ministered that to many times to people. I've always been sensitive to young people that didn't have parents that they could call on. You know, sometimes we get young people in here. They're the only ones saved. And I know that God will specially look out for them because they have nobody else. He's got, he's got to be a father to them. I mean, a real father. And so when it happened that I was in that position, I thought to myself, I said, well, God, I don't know. I said, we've been getting along pretty good. And then all of, all of the years since then, I've looked at things where I was trusting in my husband's ability to help me with certain things and kind of bypassing God, just took it for granted that he would always move on him to do what was necessary. So now I have to go to God myself and to be honest with you, I am so much more peaceful. You understand what I said? Not against the brothers. Now I got that. Don't take that. Don't take that nowhere. Somebody want to go to get a divorce light. I ain't, don't go there on my words. You understand what I'm saying? That ain't, that ain't what I'm talking about. Or go and get the gun loaded again or something. Oopsie. 
I didn't mean to. You know, didn't know the gun was loaded. So sorry, my dear, whatever. But don't take that nowhere. But when you when you're looking, listen, when you are dealing with somebody with flesh on, there's a little anxiety there. Will God tell them? Will they obey God? How long is it going to take them to? You understand what I'm saying? Now God can do it for me directly. You know what I'm saying? So that's a special relationship. But you have to learn how to get comfortable with that. Because I see a lot of people who are single, widowed, divorced, or whatever, and they're still mourning and lamenting and, and you know, and it's time to be healed and let's move on and trust God in a new way. He's going to make it better for you if you will trust Him. And so all I'm trying to say is this relationship with God has to be everything. Everything that you're going to experience in life is going to be built on putting Him first. With no middleman. Got me? He can use whomever he wants to use. If you're married, he is supposed to use your spouse to meet many of your needs. That keeps you from looking for a boyfriend. Or girlfriend. Or both. You know, people, they just, people crazy these days. Whatever. You know, we're always looking for somebody with skin on to make us feel important or make us feel loved or make us feel whatever, whatever. You know, when these things come directly from God, he can add a richness to it where you think to yourself, man, God thought about me today. All the people in the world that he thought about me. You got me? Whereas Bubba's sitting there and you're the only one in his life supposed to be, he can't remember your birthday. Did you get that one? Thank you. Okay. So trust God totally. Don't be like that unjust person with the talents. He had his talent from God because his attitude and opinion about God was so low. You got me? Don't hide anything from him. Talent, the good and the bad and the ugly, don't hide it from him. Always know that there's a love there and a trust there that he has for you. That you can tell him anything. You can reveal the desires of his, your heart to him. And trust him to bring them to pass. You know, many times we go through life don't have a lot of things we want. Because we never fully trusted God to bring them to pass. Because he's the one that loves us most. Hmm? I can tell you this too. When you start getting off carnality and flesh and doing it yourself and looking at man and you get on to trusting God look out for for the devil to make man even more prominent in your life you people start coming up out of the woodwork all of a sudden they want to have an interest in you they want to spend time with you they got this for you they got that for you they're giving you their car they get they get more loving the more close you get to God she so got to watch yourself. You got me? You got to watch yourself. People when they're, uh, sometimes people are leave, leaving dead churches and going to live churches. And all of a sudden the pastor ain't never spoke to you in your life will come up and say, Oh yeah, I, no, I noticed you. Uh, we'd like to get you involved in so and so and such and such around here. They always got a promotion for you when they see that you're moving on to deeper things in God. You see? Devil's smart, folks. He watches us continually. 
to and fro up and down the earth seeing who he can mess with. And as long as you're in his pen and doing what he wants you to do, he'll ignore you. Let you mess yourself up. But then when you try to make a breakout, it's like crabs pulling each other down a barrel. Nobody ever gets up to the top. And so you just have to keep climbing out and climbing out and say, nope, I'm done with this. I'm moving on up and moving on in God. And let the intimacy with God take care of every need that you have. Amen. Amen. Number four, in in lack, a person is easily discouraged. So you got to watch your discouragement. You know where discouragement comes from? We all get bad news. If we will do the process of putting it over onto God and do the prayer and get his peace about it, we'll talk more about that in a minute, then we'll be able to let the guardian of our souls fend off that discouragement for us. But what happens with most people is when they hear bad news, they take it, consider it, examine it, Pet it, see if it fits, add more to it. See, when you consider things, that means you incorporate them somehow into your soul and they become a part of you. Whatever you consider becomes a part of you. If you consider not the details of the bad news, well, I don't care how many fractured ribs and broken bones, we're just going to call the great physician right now. You don't have to tell me any deal. All you have to tell me is they went to the hospital. Huh? And it, it was interesting that uh, Rebecca had a, an accident. I think it's been over a year ago now. And so uh, when we heard, we prayed about it. And so Tony went to, you know, Uncle Tony, you got to go see about everybody, you know. And so he went. And, and it's a good thing he did because he was concerned and he was close and wanted to be there if it was anything. And he said, when I got there, he said, I saw her car, he said, and I just totally lost it. Well, see, we had prayed before he saw anything yeah. to consider. He said, when I saw the car and I thought to myself, my God, what kind of condition? He said, and, he, and the, uh, the man, some man came up and said, don't look at that car. She's over there sitting down. You see what I'm saying? And so when you hear bad news, if you cannot consider details. And see, God will keep you in a place where you don't know any details. Because he never saw what she looked like to even try to get that faith. So the guardian of your soul will keep your soul if you do this thing right. You got me? He will keep it if you do this right. So it's easily your, your fragile soul, your broken soul is easily discouraged. Because he keeps an eye on natural happenings all the time. He can't help but be discouraged. It's like a roller coaster looking in the natural. One day you're up, one day you're down. You want to stay up. You want to stay on an even keel because you can have a life in God where you don't consider any of this stuff. So in, in, in the natural, you're easily discouraged because you watch natural things. That's a carnal man. He's always looking in the natural. What's my bank balance? What's my, uh, you know, this kind of stuff? You know it's low, so don't even look. I mean, come on now. What you looking for? Huh? Looking for some miracle money out of it. It ain't coming. It ain't coming. Well, you know, sometimes they make mistakes in bookkeeping. Honey, if you belong to God, it's going to be a debit, not an increase. Trust me. 
The devil makes any kind of mistake in bookkeeping is going to be to your discredit and not to your credit. He'll out and out steal from you if he can get away with it. You got me? So it's no such a thing for a child of God. You're going to have to get on your rusty little knees and get in your Bible and believe God. Crawl up in that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Wrap up in that. Huh? Nonsense. Of course, you know, I did go on that website. God told me to go on that website one time with the lost money. Remember, I got like 400 something dollars. I don't know if I was, I'm the Williams they was looking for, but I know I sure got that check. It will go on there and get me some more. Huh? I'm telling you. I was, I was thinking about money and that whole week he did nothing but bring money to me. Cause see, I don't fret about it all the time. I wait for him to tell me when to go get mine. Big difference. Honey, if I don't have it, I don't spend it. Trust me, I was well trained. <laughs> like what? Oh, I guess I'll go do something else. Guess I'll go pray. Guess I'll go, you know, whatever, whatever. So anyway, so in, in lack though, you're easily discouraged because you're looking at the natural. In faith, you look only to Jesus. You look only to the word. And you trust in his word. And his faithful character. You've got to get the character of God right in your mind. He's not Santa Claus where he's just throwing stuff at us all the time. He's holy, but he is a loving and a forgiving and a merciful God. And he looks at us as his children. David says, as a father pitieth his children. So God, so he, he has more compassion with you than your own parents would. And most of us have good parents. Most of us have parents. When you look back at how your parents struggled sometimes and what they had to go through just to have a normal life, you'll see that they did good things for you or wanted good things for you or spoke to you in a way that they encouraged you and hoped for good things for you. And some of us had other parents, but, but you can just, and we, what we lacked for, we tended to long for. And so you had a concept or an idea of what a good parent would want for their natural children. Well, God goes over above and beyond that. If you ask for something, he will give you what you ask for. He's not giving you a cheap substitute, a cheap imitation, or somebody put somebody in your life who's going to take from you. You got me? He'll put the right things in your life every single time so you can trust him. And if he doesn't bring it right away, just know that it's on the way. huh? And he can put you in a place where you're not disturbed while you're believing and waiting for him to do something for you. So uh, what did we say? We were sensitive. What was that last one? Easily discouraged by watching natural happenings. And the uh, faith person looks only to Jesus, not the natural. You're not looking in the natural for anything. I know we all got that scripture. I found it too. Show me a sign for good. Show me a token for good. And God got me off that real quick. You got me? Because them tokens for good did something. It put you right back looking in the natural all the time. So I was doing better when I wasn't trying to manipulate him with his own word. Got me? I mean, we can get real good at this if we try. All right. So look only to Jesus. That means get in your word. Get in your Bible. 
get what you know reinforced and try to add something to it. And when I say get in your Bible, that excludes channel surfing. Because you really get confused then. Because somebody's telling you hold on. Somebody's telling you let go. Somebody's selling you herbs. Somebody took you to Disneyland. Huh? Somebody trying to make you messianic and you you don't know nothing about that background. I mean, come on now, y'all. Come on. God can do better than that. He's sitting up there and eating garbage when you could be sitting at the table. Huh? Y'all crazy. Y'all crazy. See, a lot of times then people find they pet, they pet minister on there. That drives me nuts. Because they'll send you a CD, everybody CD, and, uh, you know, YouTube. Did you see so-and-so, such-and-such here? And they just in a fever about this one person, you know. Man. They don't think it's man. They think they heard something good from God, but they're in, involved in man all the time. And trying to be your pastor on the slide. You understand what I'm saying? So cut that stuff out. Them kind of people, they <laughs> always looking for something else to do. Um, go get a tree job, man. Go get you another job. Make some more money. Give bigger in the offering. But leave people alone with your, with your obsessions. All right. And number five, in lack, we are sensitive and pre- sensitive to and pressured by the passage of time. Time is never your friend, it's your enemy always. So you're sensitive to and pressured by the passage of time. When you're in faith, time is never an issue. Resting in the Lord is your delight. You could care less about when it comes. Sometimes you care less about if it comes, you can get so content. Huh? Now, those of you with missing whatevers, tell me if I'm lying to you. Single people always think they're running out of time to get get the one. That's what they say, the one. (laughs) I love a lot of guys. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, hey, whatever. You the one, you the one. Whatever God says. I mean, we'll live together. I know how to roll with it. You understand what I'm saying? A professional wife knows how to roll with it. huh? Because I done lived with several different men. One day he's, you know, a prince. The next day Godzilla. The next day, you know what I'm saying. You put dinner on the table and you hear this crunk, 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 knuckles dragging across the floor. I said, oh boy, King Kong is coming to dinner tonight. Wonder what's wrong with him. Well, baby, I fixed so-and-so. I know you like it. Oh, I got to come back stronger than that. I go over in the little powder room, you know, across from the kitchen. I bind you, devil of Jesus. I'm not sitting here eating. I'm not eating with no gorilla tonight. I'm just not doing it. Huh? Unless you got bananas on the menu. Grow up, girls. Grow up. If you looking for the one, I got news for you. And then when they change and get real on you, then we all shocked. 
Oh, he's abusive. Woo! That's <laughs> because he told you he wasn't giving you all his money. That's abuse. <laughs> and they don't. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Here my husband said that one time. I wasn't I wasn't even talking about us. You know, I think we might have been watching some old stupid Yeah, that brother, you know, he said, I don't give nobody all my money. And something went off in my head. Bingo! You mean there's more? <laughs> oh, woo! Felt the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I felt the Holy Ghost on that one. These brothers tell on themselves. When you serve God and you love God, everybody tell you the truth. <laughs> Liars cannot stand in our presence. Amen. When you're standing with God. Are you kidding me? Um. So in faith, time is never an issue. When you find yourself being pressured by time, you stepped over into the flesh on that thing. And you got to get back in your word, put it back over there with God, and quit worrying about all this nonsense. Amen. So lack is a burden perceived by the carnal man. It's your definition of lack for spiritual purposes. Lack is a burden perceived by the carnal man. But the child of God knows to take it to the Lord and release the burden to him in assurance. This is the thing. Faith is an assurance. Leave the burden to him in an assurance that God will provide what is needed. He will provide. You've got to be certain about that. He's not providing and then you go and ask your daddy to give you the money for it. Now hear me and hear me well. I know parents love their children and parents will do these things for their children. But you don't go and ask two different daddies. Who's your daddy? Huh? Well, I won't even go there because it might be somebody. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You know how these families are nowadays. It's a family is whatever you want it to be. I mean, some people out here with some answers for you. Understand what I'm talking about? I ain't talking about that. Father as provider and as head over your life and Lord over your life, who is that person? You go to him and you go to him alone. You got me? And don't go to, to, to God and then get in your parents' face with that long face that they're going to say, what's the matter, baby? When you go into the throne room, you come out with peace. You don't come out with a devil. Come on now. Y'all know the drill. Well, uh, I I, I prayed with my prayer partner and and we prayed and we agreed that God's going to do and he gave me a whole list of things he's going to do for me. And when you're at home moping around your parents looking up. And it gets longer and pretty soon it's dragging your ankles. And they got to ask you what's wrong because you got all deformed with your, your begging devil. 
<laughs> you whooped that devil on everybody since you was two years old. You've been working that little devil. He ought to be tired of you and you ought to be tired of him by now. And start going to God in a confidence and assurance of faith. How do we do that? How do you go to God confidently and not wavering? You find him first in his word. That's where your confidence is God in God is built. It's built in his word. Remember Brother Hagen built a, a ministry and a lifestyle around Rhema word from God. Remember that? You had to read and he instructed everybody. You find your problem in the Bible and read it until that word speaks to you and it tells you that that thing is yours. Amen. And so we have to do that with everything all the time. Get in there and find your answer until it's real to you. Many people God is trying to help them to get rhema words through the gift of prophecy. And what do we do? We collect prophecies instead of studying them and making sure we meditate that thing through and we really believe it and we believe what it says. And so many times we skip over this very essential part of building our faith and going to God in covenant terms. You have to go to him as a covenant person uh, believing him according to what he has instructed you to do. How do you come to God? When you have a need. How do you come to God? You come to him in faith. You come to him in thanksgiving. You come to him in praise. You come to him in rejoicing. You come to him in confidence that he is, you are there to receive it with no doubt and no wavering. Let me tell you the difference. The reason Job stayed on his bed for so long. Is that he never, number one, he never talked to God. He talked to all his friends. Prayer partners, some of them are good, some of them are bad. That's why we assign one to everybody here so you don't go shopping around to people to give you the best answer. Cut that out. You understand me? You got all these answers in your shopping cart. You know, they all look good. It's like, you know, when I get on the Internet, I go and get on somebody's website. And I say, oh, I want that. I want that. I want. And by the time you get to the checkout, you say, oh, how do I spend $400? Everything look good to you. That's the way it is when you shop around for answers from God. Everything somebody tells you looks good to you. You got me? So you wind up with more in your cart than you need. All you need is one answer from God that will turn that thing around for you and stick with that and quit shopping around for people's opinions and their answers about your measly situation. And most of what we got ain't that tough for God to accomplish. It's like he could clip his toenails and send you that money. We Oh, it's a big deal for us because it's us, you know. Oh, I gotta check with brother so and so. I gotta get so and so's website. You know, people are prophesied to you online now. I gotta go get a prophecy from so and so. And then you call somebody and ask them what they think about the person that gave you the prophecy. <laughs> so that's why you get one prayer partner. Well, my prayer partner, I can't never find them to pray. Well, you gonna, you gonna wanna want to pray real bad by the time you catch up with them, won't you? 
who calls who won't be an issue to you anymore by the time you yeah, you just want to pray and you want to do your prayers and you're serious about it now. All these evasive prayer partners ain't always the evasive prayer partner's fault. I'll grow up. It's time for us to grow up, children. Let us get down to business here. Whining and complaining about, I can't find them. When I get them, I'll keep looking. You ain't found them yet. Now, if they missing and left town, then call me. But until we know they ain't here no more, go find that person and pray with them. They're assigned to you. Because what you want to hear is you don't have to pray. And I ain't going to tell you that. Don't want to pray no way. You ain't looking for them in faith. You hoping they can't be found. I grow up. Y'all know it's true. You know, I'm getting too old to play with y'all. You know, I looked at my calendar and, uh, you know, I'm making the most of the last. I got prophecies that say my latter years are going to be better than my former. So y'all better hang on, okay? Going out strong, as they say. (laughs) All right, so... That's that. So Philippians 4, 6, that's your answer. That's always your answer. Underline that. Put a star beside it. When something comes up, always go there. Don't ever deviate from this pattern. But Because I'm telling you, it's the one that will work for you every single time. Why am I doing in Ephesians? I said, this sure does look funny. Philippians 4, I'm sorry. Excuse me. He says here, be careful or anxious or nervous or disturbed for nothing. Don't let anything trouble you. You've been rejected a lot in your life. Keep looking for the one who loves you. If you had a lot of rejection, they might be right around the corner. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you get in the spirit looking. Many times we miss what God has for us because we stay in the flesh looking for things. You, you won't find it in the natural. It's like, you know, people who look at their young people who look at the, you know, people their age. Especially when you pass milestones, get out of high school. And you look back and see all the kids that you went to school with they're married now okay so you ain't married so go to college don't be sitting around waiting for nobody to go stalking nobody and all that crazy just go to school keep going to school because there's more people at school when you and then they got a little education maybe you might find somebody on your level keep looking huh a lot of women, you know, you go to some of these uh, colleges, like exclusive colleges where they have professional schools. You know, the women that go there major in boys because they're looking for a husband that can take care of them. I did. <laughs> Everybody looking at me like, well, <laughs> I got my degree, but my major major was setting up for the long haul. I wasn't planning to work all my life. You understand me? I come from a long line of women that work hard in somebody else's kitchen, and I ain't going there. 
You got me? <laughs> At least I knew. I like getting my nails done. You understand what I'm saying? They don't look good in certain types of employment. <laughs> so you make plans, right? You do your studies, but when you go to class, you make sure you sit next to a boy. Huh? Y'all know how to do that. Excuse me, as I said, take it. Is he taken? Really? You mind if I sit there? Huh? Y'all know the drill. Huh? <laughs> but I didn't know the Lord back there. Yeah. Caught you. Huh? When you know the Lord, that's right. When you know the Lord, you don't do all them drop kicks on them brothers when you... They say, man, did you just come from karate class or what? I think I got kicked in my head. Uh, true that. So Philippians 4, 6. I was talking about Job a minute ago, wasn't I? The thing you need to know about Job is that when he finally came to himself and God helped him out here. This is the thing. God is sovereign. You do the best you can with what you have, but he won't let you go under. He will come sovereignly. He sends somebody with a word for you, somebody that, that's spiritual over you will call you and tell you, God was thinking about you, do you need prayer for something or whatever, whatever, whatever. He knows how to find you and locate you so that he can help you. And God came to Job finally and began to ask him questions he couldn't understand. Sometimes when you're confused by natural things, God needs to do something extraordinary to pull you out of your stupidity. Got me? So God began to ask him, who is this that gives explanations with knowledge? Tell me if you know where the the tack that holds the sky together is nailed. Can you answer that? So then Job gets what? Convicted for his words. When you're off in the flesh, that's the first thing that you'll feel. When God starts coming to you and getting you straightened out, you'll feel conviction for your stupid words. Huh? And he wanted Job to come to him in covenant the way he always had. And what he told Job to do, this man's laying here with, with sores. Some, some Bible scholars think he had leprosy. Highly contagious. Your skin starts to waste away. Your limbs will waste away. And so God told, told Job to get up and put your clothes on. He said, array yourself like a man and come to me as a man talking to his God and his provider. Didn't Jesus tell that man, take up your bed and walk? It's the same thing. Get involved in your covenant with God. Act like you got it before you got it before God, and he will make sure that you get it. You got me? He will make sure that you get it if you act that way. Amen? And so what we have to understand is that God has a way for us to approach him and a way for us to get in faith with him. And he's not big on patience for whining and screaming and crying. Huh? Because he's not manipulated by your flesh, but he responds to your spirit. 
Your flesh is always going to want to cry and have needs. But if you can get it together and get your spirit man up front so that he can hear from God and receive from God, get in your word. Find out what God wants for you to do. Find out what he says in your situation and grab that and believe it. Hold on to it like it's, it's fresh water. And God will, will make that thing happen for you. So Philippians 4, <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. In other words, start praising me. Start understanding who I am. Act like you're in a good mood and not discouraged before you get in a good mood. You can do that. Your spirit man is totally ready to flip your life over and start rejoicing in God. He'll do that anytime. You don't have to come to, to church and get the right song and get yourself pumped up. Huh? You don't have to get your favorite nobody on. All you have to say, God, thank you. Thank you, I'm up. Thank you, I'm awake. Thank you, I'm in my right mind, so to speak. Thank you, <laughs> you know. That you do not regard my iniquity of yesterday. Your mercies are new every morning. I awaken to a new mercy. It's a new day. I don't have to be worried about what happened yesterday. Amen. This is a new day and you start me off fresh and new every morning. So rejoice in him always. Again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men. In other words, put on the spirit of self-control. Don't be a, a crazy person out here just doing any and everything. He said the Lord is at hand. And be careful for nothing. Amen. Be careful for nothing. That means be anxious for nothing. But in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You didn't think I was checking notes, did you? You better take some better notes. And move over a seat. Give Nikki some room. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Don't be copying off nobody's paper. Nikki, don't let him copy off your paper either. Because you ain't got nothing on yours neither. What you got? That's my girl. That's right, Nick. That's right, girl. Don't let them steal nothing for you. Devil on the edge of every pew. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> But brother, you got some catching up to do now, right? Swiftly, okay? You ain't got nothing on that page. Praise the Lord. So with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, those are three different things you need to know how they're different. Prayer is the request and petition part. Don't ever get to the point where you think your faith is so big you don't have to ask God for it. In some way. You have to mention it specifically to God. Or you won't get specifically. Now remember the, the, the man that was came to Jesus, Bartimaeus. Hollered, hollered, hollered. Finally got Jesus' attention. And Jesus said, what can I do for you? Hello? Blind man's robe. Stevie Wonder sunglasses. What do you mean? What do you? But until that request is made, he has no faith to operate on from you. That's why a lot of hungry people go to bed hungry for another night. Because they never tell God what they want. He said, if your father's a good father. If, I ask, if a child of God asked him for bread, would he give him 
So you've got to ask for bread, honey. Or you might get a stone from somebody. You understand what I'm saying? So ask for what you want. Remember, don't call the dog if you want the cat. Huh? Men, if you know you know you the women you like is eye candy, you better ask for eye candy. Or you're gonna be looking at somebody else's candy all your life. Just a thought. Women, same thing. If your daddy had a, a big beer belly and you got sick, don't it? Don't look. Don't no brother. Bring them in here tight, God, or don't bring them in here at all. We are not playing that. Amen. We're not going there. Not going to be two generations of them same pot bellies running around here. We, we stopping that curse now. All right. Back to my subject matter. <laughs> so be specific. Don't set yourself up for. You understand what I'm saying? Women, most women are are mall. Uh, uh, Mall rats, they live up in there, in the crooks and the crannies. They find, they know every store that some women can tell you, well, it's so-and-so. No, it's not up there now, honey. you got to go over to that mall to get that store. Cause see what's over there? And they can name you all 32 of them on that floor and all. The rats know every, <laughs> for lack of a better term, but y'all know, in a good way, rat. But, uh, you know, if that's what you like, you got to have a man with some money. Not potential. Hey, we all got potential. It's some things I ain't stepped into yet that's still on the, you know, on the books that they could be mine. But come on now. If potential ain't produced nothing in, you know, reasonable time, let's, God, that ain't the one. Couldn't be the one. You wouldn't do that to me. Mo love, mo love, mo love. Mo love won't do it right there. <laughs> you just know yourself, okay? Know yourself. The other one is supplication. And this is important. Because in supplication, there's a, a level of repentance there. There's a level of seeking a righteousness, seeking peace with God, and having that settle on your soul. The word a suppliant was a person who bore the olive branch. That meant that there was nothing owed either side. They had found uh, a zero balance there. Everything was, uh, uh, the records balanced out, you see. It was reconciled in other ways. And reconciling the books, the suppliant found that nobody owed anything, anybody anything. So when you have that relationship with God, when you get to that place, there's a great peace that comes to you and a strong determination and assurance that you can have whatever you ask for. That you have a blank check with God. So when, you're a, when you have supplication, that means that some people do it by pouring their heart out to God. They start out by saying, God, I just don't know what you want for me in this situation. If you could just help me to understand these, these kinds of things, that's supplication. And you bring it before God and you don't leave that place until you have assurance 
that you can step over into expecting him to bring that thing to you. And so that prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, you've got to understand the importance of that. Thanksgiving is where increase comes. Because if you're not thankful, you're grudging. If you're not thankful, you're bitter. If you're, and see, you have to get over in your spirit to find reason to be thankful. You do. Because in your flesh, your flesh has nothing but lack all the time. If you're looking to the natural, if I, well, I'll have this and I'll have that and I'll have, you understand what I'm saying? That's all your flesh can ever say. As he can only speak lack. And if he's happy about something, it's probably about something he ain't got no business having. You got me? So you have to trade that in for this contentment with God. And thanksgiving with God will come as a, a, a fullness. You have a full feeling on the inside. of There's a contentment, a wholeness that comes when thanksgiving is there. And then you can stay in that place. You can go away rejoicing and thanking God for what you have. And in times of stress where you may get doubting, you can pick up thanksgiving again as a way to get back into the realm of the spirit. So then it becomes your door back into the presence of God again. It becomes a point of contact for you to reach God. You ever seen older people in the faith? Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, when they would say express something negative, oh, thank you, Jesus. It's their point of contact to get back into the realm of the spirit with God. They're not just trying to be religious or something. They're trying to reach God because they know they need him in this instance, in this situation. And so what we have to understand, folks, is there is a time-honored biblical method for how to stay in the right place with God at all times. How we doing, Will Howard? I can get on a roll now. But anyway, and it says here, with all of these ingredients, make your requests known to God. Make them known to him. What have you made known to him that you want recently? Do it again. Because this thing has no time on it, the number of times you can do this. Now, you know, we've all been trying kind of programmed into stuff. If you ask twice, it's unbelief. No, asking twice to my daddy means I really want it. I believed him the first time. I'm going to ask him again. <laughs> you ask in faith both times. It has no, this has no, you know whether you're in faith or not. You know where, and sometimes a doubt will creep up on you and say, God, you know, I'm still waiting for that. When is that coming? I'm just, you know, I want that still. Because, you know, your love can go cold on things, and after a while, you don't want it anymore. Just saying, I ain't talking about nobody specific and nobody in here. But I will admit, (laughs) but you understand what I'm saying. You don't want your love for anything to go cold. You don't ever want that. Because what will happen is that you will start to pray amiss, and your flesh will get involved, and you think your spirit's in there praying. Because want and lack have crept in there and got such a, a, a drive and a desire in you that you think you'll die without it. This is how people get in trouble. Craving things. 
Your spirit man is very content. If anything, he craves more of God. He's not craving anything for this earth. You kidding me? More people have gotten uh, messed up in their ministries because of this craving thing. Now you get around other ministers and start measuring who has this and who has that. Who has the biggest this? Who has the biggest that? Huh? All that nonsense is the same old devil. Who's got the biggest boat when you're in the carnal world? Who's got the biggest boat, biggest house? All that kind of stuff. It's all carnality. And then they start to build their ministry on some fictitious reputation that they think they have in the world. When If you've got anything as a minister in God, he gave that to you. You know, it's like he told David. David got too big for his britches and took them off with somebody else's wife. I didn't think I'd go there, but I went there. You understand what I'm saying? That's when you that's when you really mess up as a minister. And they do it left and right now. I'm appalled at the people. And you know what God did when he busted David? Because he always busts you publicly. If he makes you a public figure and a public name, you're going down in front of everybody. You got me? He busted David in front of everybody, sent Nathan the prophet to him. And told him, read him a a parable. You know, sometimes God has to go way back with you to get through to you. If your flesh and your carnality has blown you up so big, he can't touch you any other way. So he went back with David. He said, when you were a shepherd boy, huh? I took care of you. I made you what you were. When you asked me, I gave you, I withheld nothing from you. Except... What belongs to another man? He said, now you've taken that. David spent the rest of his life humble before God, trying to get that relationship back that he had held with God. He died exactly at 70 years old. That's what you get under the law. You live longer in grace, but he had none to live longer. He saw destruction and disaster hit his children. His own son tried to take his place as king. David saw himself running for his life from the palace that God had given him when he was obedient to God. So I'm telling you, this carnality, folks, will do you in if you don't know how to get a grip on it. You don't have to fight your flesh. All you've got to do is keep everything under God. Well, you've got needs you want, want, you bring them before the Lord. And let the guardian of your soul take over from there. Now, what is a guardian? It says the peace of God, verse 7, that passes all understanding will, my King James says keep, but some of you may have a translation that says guard. Guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Anybody get a translation that uses that word guard? Uh-huh. Well, you have Pastor Shirley. Okay, that's Spirit-Filled Bible. It guards your heart. And I think that we're keep and guard are very important for us to understand. Because a guardian, I'll tell you what a guardian is. A guardian is one who keeps watch 
One's one who protects. But the legal term for guardian, and that's what the Bible is, it is a legal document, the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in legal terms, a guardian is one who is entrusted by law, Miss Tanya ought to know this, to protect, preserve, care, and take custody of someone incapable of managing their own affairs. Sound like you and me, it ought to. Because when you get in the flesh, you're a crazy person. I know I am. And the other part is you don't know anything about the realm of the spirit. So you need a guardian to keep you in spiritual uh, condition so that you can live the life God wants you to live. So thank God we have a guardian. You know, when the Holy, the Bible says the Holy Spirit's our comforter, and we say, well, you know, I don't necessarily, I ain't no baby, I don't need this. Honey, you need comfort. You, you live long enough with God in this hellish world that we live in and see it getting worse and worse. Now they try, they don't want you to pray in the name of Jesus. They started that nonsense again. Remember that in the book of Acts? And what did the church ask for? More boldness. You think we're asking for it? We're screaming. Most churches are screaming and talking. Well, look at what they're doing in the laws now. How are we going to do so? you got an answer in the Word of God. You need more power, more boldness. Quit being in fear and talking to one another and wondering what you're going to do. And get in the Word of God and get more power and what you need from Him. If praying to Jesus got you in trouble, praying to Him hard is going to get you out. You don't switch up now. Who are you going to pray to, Buddha? You kidding me? And he says the, the peace of God, undisturbed, supernatural composure. The peace of God, and this is, what, this is why you need to go to him this way. This is why you need to keep all your needs out of want, lack, category and put them over in confidence in God. This is why you got to transfer all that nonsense over so that you're not sitting on the edge of your seat waiting for something to come in for you. You understand what I'm saying? You can relax, recline, be comfortable because God's peace will rule in your hearts. The Bible says peace is your umpire and peace is also your guardian. When I was little, we had, remember the school crossing guard? And I was always nervous about, am I going to make it across the street in one piece? Is this, you know, these cars look like they're that big. And, that, and then when, you, when that, that little stop sign that they carried and that little banner they had on their uniform, when you saw that, you said, oh, you had a crossing guard. That's peace. That's your umpire, your guardian. He guards your soul. What does he guard it from? Disturbed thoughts. When a thought would come to you, remember I mentioned earlier, a thought would come to you. And instead of you considering it and embracing it, something would happen on the inside of you that pushed that thing away and it didn't register on the inside of you. See, that's your guardian. 
you need him because you're incompetent on your own. You understand what I'm saying? You, you say, people say, oh, the world is coming to the end of mine. You'd be up all night worried about it. Well, see, if you didn't have a guardian, you'd stay worried about a lot of things. You got me? Everything that comes to you. Look in mental hospitals, the things that set people off there to worrying, being upset. I worked in one. You couldn't play the TV around certain people. they stay up all night, say the TV was talking to them. We're like that in many ways, folks. When we don't get a prayer answered when we want to, we think we've done, done something wrong. First thing you do is start accusing yourself. huh? If you stay peaceful and quit dipping in other people's business so much. Accusers are accusers. Oftentimes we run around accusing everybody else of something and then it hits us and then we all depressed about it. We're just getting what you, just reaping what you sowed. Come on now. Trying to figure out why somebody else's life ain't right or why they had that problem. They had it because they live in the world. If you read your Bible in the world, you're going to have problems. Be of good cheer. Even in problems because you got an overcomer living on the inside of you. If you'll let him live. Our problem is we don't want God to live for us trying to live it up so much. Huh? You've got to settle for God's peace on the inside of you. And that guardian that guards your hearts and your minds. Both of them. He'll take, make sure that errant thoughts don't lodge in your soul to disturb you. I just look at it as my big babysitter. You just climb up in his lap and he rocks you to sleep. And when something tries to disturb you, just fans it away. Fans it away. You just stay right here. I'm fanning this away for you. And you don't want it to lodge in your heart because that will turn you against God. And turn you against people. Huh? And put you right back in lack and want again. Disturbed. Longing for some wonder when it's going to happen. Is God forgot about me? No, the way you carry on. I can't nobody forget about you. Huh? Always babbling, carry. I mean, he knows you here. Good thing he don't listen to half of what we say. And try to act on it. One minute you want your, your, uh, want to keep your house, the next minute you don't care if they take it back. Huh? Well, it's a good thing he don't listen to that because you be outside at five o'clock and back in the house at ten after. If God answered all them. So he just, he just goes with rolls with what's in your spirit. He said, what did we decide upon when you prayed? What did, what's our deal? What did I have on the table for you? And what did you agree to? And then the peace that passes all under, it guards, it's a guardian for us. You've got to believe that. That once you have had God's peace, that is his handshake on your situation, And he guards over that handshake. He will protect that situation and that handshake that you agreed on. Remember yesterday the little girl that was sick when the daddy prayed? And Jesus said, no, she's not dead, she's sleeping. She'd been asleep the whole time I was dealing with the woman with the issue of blood. She was sick the first time the daddy asked, asleep, and she's still asleep. He said, I'm just going to go in here and wake her up. For all of you people who are not in the know trying to tell me about spiritual things. You got me? 
I know she's asleep because I caught her when she was asleep before this death thing came and settled on her. But for you people who deal in the natural all the time, death is real to you. Huh? He said, this ain't real to me because I know she's sleeping. She's still sleeping. Because I ain't got here to wake her up yet. Many of the things that we're asking for are held back because we waste time with carnal thoughts, carnal speaking, negative speaking, discouraged speaking. I can't have that anymore because I've done too much wrong. You got me? Discouragement. Make that request known to God and get yourself back over in faith again. Get yourself back over into the game. The peace of God really is a sense of an assurance that God is working it out. It's not just a tranquil feeling. You got me? Now there's a lot of false peace substitutes. We all been there. All y'all token friends and little herb people and a little extra pill. Sinus is bothering me a little heavy today. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So those those false peace move things will never give you this what God has for you because he gives you a sense of wholeness even while you're waiting for it. Wholeness like you're not missing anything in your life. Nothing missing, nothing broken. And you have a sense that he is working on it every day. Write that down. That sense of him working on it every day will keep you from doubting that takes that takes the place of when you haven't you been you start thinking about how long it's been and you don't have it and you wonder what's wrong see if you get that shalom inside of you and you get a sense he's working on it every day that'll stop that from creeping up and bugging you when you think you're bored and you need to be you should be doing something with your time you're not doing it that's the problem you're wasting time in the natural, and then you have a sense of time being wasted too. You got me? If you get up and ask God, give me somebody that I can witness to and minister to. Show me somebody. Get to praying for people. Get an assurance that there's somebody out there that he's going to put in your path that you can pray for, that you can tell them about Jesus, that you can encourage them. You don't have to tell them about the Lord. You would just be a smiling face to encourage somebody, and somebody will stop and want to talk to you. I've had people do it. They said, you're the first person that smiled at me all day. I said, well, I hope, I hope you get a number two. I do. I hope you get a number two. I said, because nobody should go the whole day without somebody smiling at them. You got me? That kind of thing, folks, that keeps you in the realm, that keeps you sowing seed to the Spirit and sowing righteous seed so that you can expect your harvest faster and you don't have to sit up and wait on it and think it's taking forever. If you get out of idleness in your own life and in your own mind and start getting up employing yourself in something, then you'll find that the answer seems imminent to you. You're not even concerned about it. Oh, yeah, I remember I asked God for this, and here it is already. You can live a life like that. You don't have to be concerned about anything. Be anxious for nothing. The guardian of your soul wants to keep your soul. 
in a condition where you have a sense that God is for you all day, every day, 24-7. You, it's almost like you're watching God work things for you. He's like personally showing you what he's doing on your behalf. That's what his peace does for you. It's not some little feeling that I'm just not nervous anymore. You know, the absence of nervousness is not the same thing as his peace. Because the minute somebody says, boo, you're going to jump up out your chair again. We know that. We kind of expect bad news in a sense. And we already are preconditioned with a response to it. huh? Wringing the hands, wonder what I'm going to quit wondering. And make that request known to God. Many times we have not made the request. We just are in the habit of sitting, worrying, wondering, and waiting. You've got to make sure you do what God. And it can slip on up on anybody who knows the Lord. You walk with God a certain number of years and, and religious people get cool all of a sudden. You know, they don't have to come to church. They don't have to come as often. Well, I was just there last week. When you start talking like that, you're on the way to trouble. You understand what I'm saying? Like you doing God a favor by being there. Church is for you. So you can be successful in your life. Huh? And you don't have to make mistakes. You can walk straight through with God. You can be a person who is an overcomer because you believe in God. You believe that he's for you. You believe you're worthwhile. Many of our worries and fears come from lack of self-worth. The worst thing of all you can do is try to make yourself worthy by working through another person. You got me? Because you go down real quick that way. And you'll find out where you really believe that you are. Many times people go so far as to try to make a ministry so they can feel important. That's the worst devil in the world. You got me? It's a religious devil. Because they don't care who they abuse, they don't care who they lie to, and they don't care if they misuse people. That's why I don't let people come up to y'all and pray for y'all at our meetings. They're not going to do it. They've never done it. They've always got rebuked and they will continue to get rebuked. Because there's a lot of abusers out there. They come up to people who look weak and look confused and all of a sudden they're their answer. They're they're God for them. And all they want is your phone number so they can keep calling you. Huh? See, you open yourself up to people like that and you have a hard time getting away from them because the more they pray for you and you reveal to them what's in your mind and your heart, the more ammunition they have. This is witchcraft, folks. You got me? This is the end result of it. This is the end result of it. And you can't afford, folks, to get astray. Remember the shepherd with the sheep? Remember the sheep with the little lamb with the broken leg? That's what Jesus does for strays. He'll cripple you so that you can't go anywhere else than where you're supposed to go. Always looking for a better meal somewhere. Always looking for better food somewhere. Always mm, curious. He preserves your life by restricting your movements. 
making it so that you have to be carried. You ever wonder why some people struggle with certain things over and over again? Keep them close to God. Keep them under authority so that they're being carried because they stray. So God will carry you until he gets you to the point where you're healed. And then he puts you on a short leash so you don't roam too far. Huh? Hmm? See, not knowing who you are, not realizing the value that God's already placed in you. The day you were born again, you were valued extremely highly because of the person of his son dwelling on the inside of you. But yet many of us go around looking for one thing after another like we're not valuable. You got me? You need to come to an understanding of the value that God's placed in you and act accordingly. You don't let everybody come up to you and lay hands on you. The Bible tells you that. Lay hands on no man. Suddenly you need to be partaker of his sins. You got me? You partake of other people's sins by letting them touch you. You got me? We don't play that kind of stuff around here. Subject people to that just so we don't get people angry at us and pacify them. Somebody come in looking slick, calling themselves a minister. I know if you're really a minister because you'll come and look for a seat in the front. Anybody sitting in the back all the time and talking to people in the sound booth, you ain't no minister. If you do, if you are, you need to check yourself or you wreck yourself. You need to value highly. You, you, you have a place. We have places designated to honor people who stand in the office. And I notice a lot of them seats are empty all the time because people don't know who they are. And don't value what God's given them. You value what God's given them, you'll make people keep their hands off of it. You understand what I'm saying? No, no thanks. And you ask them sometimes, well, how often do you pray? Listen, I pray twice a week, once corporately and once with a prayer partner. We pray for the nations. I have authority to speak into the future of nations in this world. What kind of authority do you carry? Huh? Just make them back up off of you real good. Real good. You got me? And keep these things out of your life so that you can live pure for God. You can pray righteous prayers. You can expect that God's working on your stuff every day. Every day that you live, you have no doubt that God is working it out for you, that he's in the makings for what it is that you've got on the table with him, and it won't be late and it won't be short, but it will be what you need and what you ask for even more so. Amen? All right, why don't we quit? Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You're worthy to be praised and worthy to be adored. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus, because you first loved us, and we thank you. Now, I'm going to give you another. We had a prophecy early this year about people disconnecting and suffering misfortune. You need to understand, when people disconnect from this church and ministry, please let them go. You're not their pastor to call and check up on them. You have nothing to give them. Let these people go and let God sort out with them what it is that they need because you don't have it. If you had it, they'd still be here. Do you understand me? 
So God has to deal with his own and deal with them in a way. But see, when you get curious about where people are when they're missing, that's a seed of iniquity that's still working in you some kind of way. You have to fight that. You're looking for some gossip. You're looking for something choice. You're looking. You don't need an explanation. They don't need to explain their life to you. They don't owe you anything. You don't owe them anything but to love them. And if God lays on your heart, pray for them. They have a need. Pray for them. Then you do that. If he doesn't, then don't. Don't consider certain things that he hasn't given you to consider. Amen? But we're going to see a lot of people disconnect, folks, because this is a hard year to hold on to God, and we've already been warned, haven't we? But if you stay with him, there's great fortune for those who stay faithful and a lot of misfortune for those who don't. Amen? Praise God. Amen. Amen. God's a good God all the time to everybody. Thank you for loving us, Father. Thank you for helping us and thank you for protecting us. Thank you, Father, for blessing us to be together this day. And, Father, we thank you that for a time of fellowship to bless our bread and our water and take sickness from the midst of us. And we thank you, Lord, for this, this word that will keep us Father, as we understand what's happening spiritually, that we be no longer children tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine, but we're just anchored and secure in you, Father. We want to be even more secure in you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you.